0: kick it off. I am not Mike Helvey, um, who would not have been standing here right now, even if he wasn't sick, because he was speaking today. But as it turns out, Mike's not feeling well today. I know our prayers go out to Mike to uh, feel better. Uh, We hope it's nothing serious. um, But I'm going to be doing MC duties this morning, and then be kicking it off to our very special guest lecture. So first up, two-minute drill. What is the last year that Tom Brady did not play in the NFL playoffs? 2006, 2008, 2010, 2012. Question number two. The 20th Amendment to the US Constitution made January 20th the official inauguration day Who was the first president to be inaugurated under that amendment on January 20th? Was it Woodrow Wilson, Calvin Coolidge, Franklin Roosevelt, or Dwight Eisenhower? speaker, not Michael Helvey. Um, instead, we welcome to the podium today, Pastor Michael Coffey, who's generously stepped in. I'd like to say a quick prayer for uh, Pastor Michael and for Mike. Lord, uh, we thank you for this day. It is a day you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. We pray for our brother Mike to be uh, recovered from whatever illness he is suffering. We thank you for our Pastor Michael. We thank you for our entire BCC leadership always ready to step up for us and step out for us. May you bless his words today as he introduces to us the topic for this semester's study. Amen.
1: Am I on? There. Thanks, Jack, appreciate it. Well, good morning, gentlemen, I appreciate it. Uh, Do want to lift up a mic in our uh, he worked hard to come and uh, teach you this morning, and gotta be feeling pretty bad if he wrote to me about three thirty in the morning saying, "Hey, could you take this uh which is fine. I read it at four thirty uh whenever i uh <laughs> got got up so You could have reason to be concerned, except that we uh, serve a God who's able to create ex nihilo, which you may see here happening again in just a few seconds, uh, creating from nothing uh, here. And uh, also, you know, he's able to take whatever you have. In my case, about 40 years of studying uh, the scriptures and a lot of emphasis on that in uh, the Gospels. I've told all of y'all through some sermons I did that, a really transformative year of my life was slugging into the Pentagon, and all I did was read the Gospels account. I'd start with Matthew, I'd go all the way through, as soon as I finished John, I'd start back with Matthew. And that year, I wanted to emphasize uh, what it was to actually live upon this earth as Christ did that he sent his Holy Spirit so we could actually have a hope of living a Christian life. We have no hope apart from the Spirit living it through us. And I wanted to see how he dealt with difficult people as I was going into the Pentagon every day. I wanted to see how he dealt with a lot of different things in life. So one gospel after the other, after the other, after the other for a year, just a transformative uh year of my life and so uh, as we start the gospel of luke here i'll tell you that little part of my history maybe one day a similar sort of devotional time uh, might seize your heart and you might do a similar thing i don't think i've ever quite been the same and he surprised me as i studied our lord time and time again and the accounts that we have of him Uh, after you do that for a year of your life i realized what I thought of him uh, didn't quite match up with the scripture. He was uh, much more complex, much more wonderful than anything I'd ever seen before. So without any further ado, let's uh, jump into it. The uh, Gospel of Luke, uh, the man that wrote it, uh, known as the good physician Luke, wrote about 28% of your New Testament. Wrote a couple of the longer uh, books that you have there, the Gospel of Luke, and then the book of Acts. His name doesn't really occur much of any place in the New Testament. Paul refers to him in a few epistles that he writes in Colossians, Colossians, 2 Timothy, Philemon verse 24. Luke refers to himself when he's writing his account of Acts. Toward the end of the book of Acts, he'll include himself as we, as we talking about Paul and his travels and so he's given a first-hand account of something that he experienced in that book as well Uh, he's a Gentile we know that because when Paul is listing the different people in Colossians that help him he's talking about the Jewish uh, helpers that he has including Mark and others and then when he gets to the Gentiles Epaphras Luke and Demas he seems to distinguish them so we know that he's a Gentile not a, a Jewish follower And we don't know a whole lot else. We don't know where he wrote this. A lot of people think that he wrote it in Rome while Paul was in prison or something, but it's just pure speculation. We have no idea where he's from. Uh, We don't know when he wrote this particular gospel account. He claims in the very uh, first part of it to be a historian because he talks about, hey, most excellent Theophilus, the person he's writing this gospel to, that I looked up the facts and went back and talked to the eyewitnesses. I did some research on this. So he claims to be a historian, and a good thing for us, he's an excellent historian, it seems like. He gathered up different details. The things we very few things we know about Jesus' youth, we owe to this man. Uh, some people think that he went and uh, talked to Mary, mother of God, got some details about what it was like uh, there, wrote it down, we have it there, and now we get to sit around with our grandkids and things like that and read the Christmas story together because of Luke and what he did. Can you imagine if you went to Sue Baker, who attends here, and spent a little while interviewing her and recording her, tell us what Marty Baker was like as a kid growing up and all, and he seemed to have done that, um, you know, He had access, more than likely, to the Gospel of Mark or even um, possibly Matthew. That's why you have some similarities here, but he expands on that. He adds some differences to it. He gives it a whole different flavor, all under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, kind of adding some nuances uh, to what maybe had already been written. When did he write it? Uh, You know, I think the best thing uh, as people argue about when to do it is that he wrote it uh, before Nero uh, went off the deep end and started his persecution of Christians. And the reason you know that is because at the end of the book of Acts, which is a companion piece to this, Paul's still in prison, kind of awaiting his chance to make his case before the Roman authorities and stuff. You know, once Nero starts going off the deep end and the persecution of the Christians begin. Paul's not long to this world, but the book of Acts just kind of ends abruptly. And you see Paul there in prison, uh, kind of house arrest, able to have people come in and uh, visit him and stuff like that. And so there's every reason to think that, okay, must have been before uh, AD 64 when Nero, like I said, went off the deep end. That's the best estimate that I have. I think that supports uh, the way the text is written, so I would go to that. So why did he write it? he already had a couple of other gospels written why a third why uh, do another he had two purposes one he's writing to strengthen the faith of this person that he's writing to Theophilus the name means lover of God because of that name a lot of people think oh it wasn't an individual he's writing that for Christians everywhere to the lovers of God No, nah, I mean we got people in society today we call them Christian or whatever as a name and all, so it wouldn't have been an uncommon name He also gets pretty specific where he calls him O-Excellent. So most people would uh, argue that, okay, Theophilus is a real person, probably a Roman official, probably a believer, may have been a patron, kind of, if you will, the financier behind this and any future copies that are going to be made for this to be distributed. But Luke is definitely writing to strengthen the faith of this man so it's got that as one purpose here the other purpose is that he's going to be presenting christ differently than what you see in the other gospels and i think that's under the inspiration of the holy spirit but also because of his background as a gentile not a jewish uh, believer Because what he's going to do is he's going to show in this gospel that Jesus comes to Israel. They reject him. That's good news for all Gentiles like Luke. Because there's this emphasis on the fact that salvation is for everyone. Not just for the Jews. And you see the way that Jesus interacts with Gentiles and others in his gospel. So when we look at uh, the fact that he wrote this. He probably wrote it for a Gentile a Roman official four Gentiles as it was copied and distributed after that um, any his writing kind of shows that sometimes too you know when he traces Jesus genealogy or his lineage back he takes it back to Adam that Christ came for all men he didn't just take it back you know to show a Jewish line here to make sure that the pedigree is good he takes it all the way back to Adam when he uh, shows where Christ as a man came from and his heritage on that. When he um, um, points out to different things that happened in the life of Christ, he'll name Roman officials and rulers. That's a good thing for the authenticity of the scriptures later. If I sit here and talk about the fact that I was in the fourth grade when jfk was shot and i tell you a couple of people that were the governor of georgia where i was going to elementary school and things like that it adds a credibility to it that you must know what he's talking about because you're right you can see that uh you know so and so was the governor then at the time the president was shot and so it lends a credibility he does that he names officials you know that from the Uh, Christmas story though you know when Quirinius was governor of Syria he decided there'd be a census you can check that out was there a census was this guy ruling Syria at the time so it adds a credibility to his writings the way that he does that here but you know that's a very Gentile sort of thing compared to the other Gospels where that wasn't so much of an emphasis of what they wanted The terms that he uses uh, emphasize the fact that he was a Gentile, that he's writing to Gentiles. He doesn't use the word for uh, teacher, uh, rabbi, if you will, a Jewish term. He uses another term, which uh, indicates once again that he's writing as a Gentile to Gentiles. Um, And when you look at... um, some of the things that he describes uh, when he gets to a place where Jews lived and they were doing things, he'll kind of explain why this place was important and what they were doing. You know, I grew up in the South. You don't have to explain a barbecue place to people that grew up in the South. You automatically get it. But if you're writing about Jewish stuff to Gentiles, you got to explain why. what are they doing, why are they there, what's happening there whenever they do that. And then, when he quotes the Old Testament, which he doesn't do as much as somebody like Matthew, he quotes from a Greek version of the Old Testament, the Septuagint, and so that's something that also would add that he's probably a Gentile writing to other Gentiles. And so, let's talk about the characteristic of the book because I only get 20 minutes here. So let's get into uh, some of that. Luke, uh, as I already made a point has an emphasis that the gospel is for everybody there's a universality to the gospel it's not just for the jewish people he writes a whole lot about sinners he writes a lot about the poor he writes a lot about the outcasts the society he uh, time and time again will show that the messiah came not only to be a blessing to the jewish people but that they rejected him and so now he's available to be a blessing to everybody Samaritans, who were despised by Jewish people, have a lot of references in the Gospel of Luke. So he gives this sort of comprehensive history, uh, maybe more so than some of the other Gospels, because he was intentional about doing that. He said that in the very opening things. We learn so much about the actual earthly life of Jesus Christ through this one long Gospel that we have here. Luke emphasizes forgiveness a lot. It's just endless references where Christ is talking about the uh, the forgiveness that is now available uh, from his sacrifice and what he's going to do rather than just being stuck in the muck and the mire of our own sin and no way out of it. In this uh, gospel, he emphasizes prayer. You'll see that he always has Jesus praying before major decisions during crisis points, during high pressure points. He um, puts the emphasis, you know, the old Calvinistic Arminian thing. He puts a lot of the emphasis on the individual's response to Christ, their need to repent when they are exposed to Christ and his teaching and what he does. He talks about so many of the people that you learned as a kid if you went to Sunday school or vacation Bible school. Zechariah, Elizabeth, Mary, Simeon, Anna, Martha, Mary, Simon, Levi, the centurion, the widow of Nain that he uh, raised her son up as he was going by and they were carrying his body out to the graveyard. Zacchaeus, Joseph of Arimathea. He has these individuals in the gospel there. And he has this emphasis on what did they do? What action are you going to take now that you've encountered the living God in the form of Jesus Christ? In the form of Joseph of Arimathea, I'm going to help bury him. I'm going to be, even though I believe he's dead, nothing more to be gained for me. I'm still going to step out and align myself as a believer that I'm going to help to bury him in this and take the risk of doing that. So Luke has that emphasis and. That's part of what I think is a draw to his gospel for so many people when they read it. The Holy Spirit just takes that and it's like, you've now been exposed to the same Christ. What are you going to do with it? Um, You know, whenever I look at this, I find that Luke's gospel talks a lot about the joy. And. I like that. I'm not bent that way as a person. kind of grew up in a rough background, a rough childhood. I don't know that my go-to emotion on much of anything is joy. And I find for so many of you uh, guys uh, working here in the military or in the military district or in the business world or something, you know, that if I could just take a hypodermic needle and give you an inoculation of Really what the gospel is, good news and the joy that comes from that good news. If I could just say, roll up the sleeve, let me just give you an inoculation of that. I think it would transform your life as it does mine when I actually slow down and let the Holy Spirit have his work inside me. There is a joy that comes from the gospel of Luke when you read it here because the fact that Christ was the Savior who came to all people he breaks it down pretty briefly he's got the early birth and early days of jesus and then he's got him coming and starting his ministry chapter one through three he's got his early ministry in the outskirts of galilee then he does this shift luke is the one where we get the uh verse that sometimes you uh uh, Here, pastors and others, uh, Jesus on his perfect timetable, perfect timeline, nothing's going to throw off his mission to seek and to save the lost and to die as a ransom for all of us. Luke is the one that says that he set his face on a certain day like Flint, and he just started going toward Jerusalem knowing that he was going to die uh, when he got there, and so That comes later on in the book, starting around chapter 9. You start seeing his uh, ministry around Jerusalem and in Jerusalem, and then it ends uh, with a final part of the book that you'll get to study here over the weeks with the excellent teachers that God has provided for us here in BCC, and I'm so grateful for that. So, I think Mike has some discussion questions he wants you to look at. Can you jump ahead to uh, that slide, uh, to the discussion one? If not, I'll just read them and you can uh, remember them as best you can. Do we have those? (laughs) Okay. I'm not seeing it on the screen down here. That's why I'm having to turn around. Thank you. I like his discussion questions because, like I said, When you uh, think about it, so much of the uh, best witness you're ever going to have is your testimony. Nobody can dispute what happened to you. I'm not the brightest bulb in the pack, but I know that as the last person in my family that came to know Christ, nobody can dispute what happened to me. I I sometimes marvel that as a non-Christian, I had incredible theological insight because as family members were witnessing to me i would tell them you don't get this this isn't just to get out of going to hell if i ask him into my life he gets me i don't want him to have me i like me to have me I, i mean when i look back at that that's an incredible insight for a spiritually dead person to have had and so when you think about it can you recall who introduced you to the gospel has anyone ever served to reaffirm the truth of what you're already taught? Because that's what he's saying that he's doing for Theophilus here. Hey, I've checked it out. I've researched it. I've got some new uh, and important facts that you haven't seen or read or possibly heard anywhere else. I want to reaffirm your faith here. You know, who are these people? What sort of authority did they have in your life? And Luke wrote this account of Jesus' life so that Theophilus would know for certain that what he was taught was true. Do you have somebody that affirmed that? Are you somebody who is affirming that in somebody else's life? I was having a discussion with a number of the people on the staff here because I try to have uh, some of the young ones on the staff. They meet with me regularly. I guess it's the discipleship relationship. I've had different uh, relationships with some men And the things, sometimes meeting with them uh, regularly and things like that. And I made what to me, because I am a simple guy, a simple point to some of the staff the other day, and I'll make it to you in closing too, that last time I checked about Matthew 28, the great commissions, go spread the gospel, make disciples, it ain't an option. You know, when he says, I gave you one command right before I floated off the earth, and you saw me go up in the skies, and I told you I'd come back. That was it. Share the gospel. Make disciples. So I thought, I think even for an old infantry chaplain, I understand that when I should always be having somebody around me that I'm making into disciples. And so is there somebody who reaffirmed the truth of the gospel to you? Are you doing the same for others? I look forward to this uh, study of Luke. Wonderful book. And uh, I pray that God will use it to bless you and change your life. uh, As those gospel accounts, including Luke, changed mine. That year I read so many of them. Let's pray together. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for taking the time to record not just one, but the gospels. But now as we study the gospel of Luke, thank you for Luke. Thank you for his meticulous personality type to research and to put down so many things we didn't know about jesus and about his life and his ministry until he wrote this and now i pray that you'd use it in our life and that you would teach us and that we might follow you i pray that we would uh, be affirmers of this in other people's lives help us to know how we lift up our brother michael and ask that you bless him and heal him and make him well amen thank you gentlemen
0: Wanted to dismiss you all to your uh, speaking areas. Let's try to get back just a couple of minutes earlier than normal, maybe like 6.53. We've got a couple extra things we want to go over and get everybody out of here at 7 a.m. Thank you very much. Enjoy your discussions.